Hi, you're listening to episode 50, 50 of the AC Geek Girls. I'm Swapna Krishna. And I'm Preeti Chiver, and we are recording on Sunday, November 22nd, 2020. And 50! What? 50! I just, I was like reading, because like we've talked before about how we just kind of read the script. And I was reading the script, I was like, wait, 50! I know, I meant to bring it up before we recorded, because when I wrote that part, I was like, oh, this is a big one. It this is! is big 50! <laughs> That's huge! I legitimately like keep forgetting t- that time is passing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> time is meaningless. But yeah, when we, so it's been 50 episodes. We started in like, when did we start? February 2017? That sounds right. We've been yeah, it was February 2017 because I was pregnant in 2018 and then our schedule kind of got bananas. Yeah. And also it was before. Star Wars holiday, or Star Wars holiday special. That's later in yeah. this episode. Uh, Star Wars celebration yep. in uh, April of that year. So, wow. I know. That's that's awesome. It's really nice. It's nice that we're still doing it. I know that, I, was, I feel like so many podcasts just are like a, like, flight, like, you know, I the way I expected this to go was us to record, like, six episodes and just be like, all right, we're too busy. Five zero. Look at I us. know. It is. It is. It's nice. It is. Um, I'm. I'm really proud. Just like started as a way for us to be like, we want to have a space that we can talk about stuff we like with each other. Yeah. And maybe people will listen, and maybe they won't. And Look like at that's this. fine. But it's really nice, especially like given everything. This has been a really nice constant. Like even if I'm ridic- you know, things are ridiculous at home with uh, the baby for me, or like work stuff's like you got so many deadlines, you know, we, we can always, we can always rely on this. Like once a month, we can just sit and talk about the things we like, which is really nice. Yeah. And it's like not stressful. And of course we're so thankful for everyone who has been listening and continues to listen and support us. And, and we, we genuinely, I know I, I should speak for myself, but I imagine you're in the same boat where I can't believe that people are like, yes. (laughs) I know It's, it's, it's time has no meaning in 2020 but also like our a lot of cases our time is the most precious thing we have and it means so much that you guys you know you all uh spend it with us yeah, we, we appreciate we appreciate you all we do and, and each other and each other <laughs> i appreciate you Preeti. <laughs> okay so First up, we want to talk about a little Daisy Geek Girls business. Our holiday card. We've got a design, not set, but we've we've got the conception and we're working on it. But um, we're really excited about it. It's gonna be pretty. It's gonna be spectacular. It's so silly. It's so dumb. It's really it's dumb. So funny. Uh, yeah. So that if basically, so if you were not a Patreon supporter uh, and we're thinking about potentially becoming one, it's basically two dollars and up. Yeah. You get a holiday card. So you have like probably a, a couple days at this point to sign up because we'll start, we're going to send them in for printing um, and start sending them out in the next week or so. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, I would say like we can probably still accommodate by the end of November, but I think like once like December 1st hits, it's, it's going to be a little done. Bit more tight. So, yeah. if you want to, if you want a holiday card, uh, our last one was a pretty big deal. Not going to lie. It was pretty good. Uh, and you're thinking about it. Try to sign up for just two dollars mm-hmm. to the Patreon if you if you feel so inclined um, by November 30th. Yeah, and if you don't make the cutoff, but you want to know 
if like if we have extras we'll happily still send them out and so like if you want to know if we do just ping us and be like if i subscribe now can i and yeah, we'll like we'll let you know if we have enough or not if we've we'll ordered probably them. be like yeah okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, i mean if we have them we'll send them it's not like we you know so um okay so yes holiday card and then um exciting news on the wonder woman 1984 front yeah, it's uh, so they announced just a couple days ago that it is, you know, uh, like much of our 2020, like big, exciting movie releases. It it was sort of postponed indefinitely. And then they just announced it's going to release simultaneously into theaters and onto HBO Max on Christmas Day. I'm so OK. First of all, like we has we have zero Christmas plans. So yep, this same. is now what we're doing the evening after we put the kid to bed. We are going to watch this movie. I'm. Um, so excited and I'm so relieved they're I mean I know they're doing a simultaneous release in theaters but I'm so excited because they're basically like saying like if you really want to go to a theater and see it I guess you can but they're encouraging people to watch it safely at home which is so nice yeah I do I did appreciate uh the note from Patty Jenkins where she was like basically like if it is safe for you to do so you will be able to see it in Mm -hmm. a theater like primarily it's it's an I'm very curious as to how this is going to go. My my instinct is such that they were just like we have so many films backed up waiting for the release of this film that we can't necessarily put it off any longer. Mm-hmm. Like DC and Warner Brothers have so much coming down the pipeline. Not mm-hmm. to say Marvel doesn't, but I think Marvel has a stronger control of and they with Endgame like it, it was just kind of, you know, like with Infinity War Endgame, they closed the story. Like, the yeah. story is done and they're starting a new story, kind of, so they can wait. Like, that's not, it's not yeah, a huge they, deal. They can wait on it. I think DC is still in the process of building yeah. that same level of narrative with their films, just for whatever ups and downs, like, not getting into all of that. Not, we don't have time to unpack all of that, but mm-mm, because mm-mm. of that, it feels like they just know that they've got to get this movie out and, and the world is where the world is and this is just, this is just it. I just hope that the narrative around the movie doesn't get impacted by its release, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but I do think that Putting it on Christmas Day, and I, I think I think it's smart. I'm I'm yeah, I'm agree. selfishly like I wouldn't have gone. The thing is, I wouldn't have gone and see it in theater, seen it in theaters anyway. Um, I, you know, I'm a young kid. I don't generally enjoy a theater experience. Like it's just not my scene. I would rather watch it at home. So selfishly, this is great. I do understand <laughs> people who can't see it safely in theater, but going to the theater is their jam, and they being disappointed because they wanted to see it in theater. And I I do feel for them, but like. It's 2020 like the reality is it's not safe to go to a theater and I do think I think it's in the end of the day it's probably a good business decision to just release it now yeah agreed um (laughs) because like I feel like once it's safe to reopen theaters it's just going to be weekend after weekend of movie releases because so many have been postponed yeah it is gonna I can't it's gonna be weird trouble imagining that world like I can't I can't fathom what that world looks like right now just because uh, it feels so again, far away. It feels so far away. And time is, as we said many times already, like not real. And so yeah. we are just, I'm, I'm glad that they're finding a way to, to let us be excited about a thing again. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, yeah, so that's exciting. And we'll do, I think we'll probably record right out, right, record right. We both enjoyed the first movie. And so, mm-hmm. and I'm really excited for this one. So we'll probably, I would imagine record right, an episode right around there to cover that. For sure. I mean, again, neither one of us have Christmas plans. So we'll just, we'll just be home. No, we'll be home with my toddler. Will be. Yep. <laughs> Uh, speaking of the world around us in 2020, there's a, just, you know, just to take a very brief, brief moment, like I'm, I live in Georgia and there's some pretty important stuff coming up in Georgia Mm -hmm. in January. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of which is our special election runoff. And I wanted to shout out just what these romance writers are doing. They've created a amazing incentive to contribute to the runoff called Romancing the Runoff. Uh, you can get it at romancingtherunoff.com, and it's an auction of all this incredible stuff that you can that you can um, uh, bid on to win, and all the money goes towards helping turn the Senate in our in in the Democrats' favor. Um, I know we don't tend to get a, like straight up political on this on this podcast. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a shocker to anybody yeah, listening that we voted for the Democrats <laughs> in this election. <laughs> we do but we want this to be a safe fun episode but but it's just it's super important we don't love reminding you of what's going on in the world but in this case it's a good it's a good you know it's 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 a good cause incredible thing that was just done by by these romance authors and it's they've raised like 250 yeah it's it's incredible it's incredible it's just outstanding and so if you have a second like Look at the auction. See if there's anything you want. Um, see if you want to like try to volunteer. They have a ton of links on the site for how to get involved. Even if you don't live in the state of Georgia, like plenty of people are looking for help to just get out the vote, which is nonpartisan. So no matter what side you're on, it's always better if people vote. Um, and yeah, check it out. We'll we'll link to all of that in the show notes mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I hate, like, going into, like, <laughs> awkward politics stuff. Yeah, because it's just like, well, no matter what side you're on, but don't be, don't be, like, don't be on the other side, because, like, it's just, it's such a, it's such a weird, it's such a weird time to talk about this stuff, because it's just such a weird time, because one side is, like, it's just, it's weird. It's it what it is. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Anyway, okay, so, um, Supernatural, that's your thing. Okay, so <laughs> I like can't talk about it. It's so awful. Okay, so Supernatural for the for the uninitiated has been on for 15 years. Yeah. I have been watching this show for 15 years. And it ended like the series, the the show ended this past week and I I cried so hard I gave myself a headache for like 10 hours. <laughs> it's like ugly crying. Good, good, a good way, or like, was the finale good? Like, I feel like I heard so much leading up to the finale, and I heard nothing about it. Yeah, I think that's very telling. I okay, think, okay. Um, the finale benefited greatly from having very strong performances. There were, you know, the last two episodes were filmed post COVID, mm-hmm. and you can tell. Like, it's a, it, I think it really actually kind of sucks for everybody involved because they. The show ran for 15 years, and then they can't do the the episode they like the way they wanted to. Yeah, you know they had. In any other world, that last show would have been, like, packed to the 
to the with every Raptors guest team. star with every right with like people from the past da, 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 da. but they only had one callback and even that one callback you know they talked to the actor Jim Beaver and he was like they had to put me up in a hotel for two weeks and then I came in and filmed my like three minute scene um, and that was that and I was like you can't you can't do that for like no. 15 years worth of guest stars you like just you just cannot it's not manageable. But props to them for, like, not taking shortcuts in the time of a pandemic. Like, I, it sucks, but I'm glad they did it as safely as they could. Yeah, it was clearly done in the safest way they could possibly do, which I appreciate. But it does, you know, they they made some spoiler spoiler alert. That's some, fine. I'm not, I'm not going to watch. I won't watch, like, one season of a show, much less 15 years. There's some I like the thing is I tried watching it once I tried I watched the first like two episodes or and I got so freaked out oh my god we're gonna do an we're gonna do a daisy geek okay okay like I watched like the first two episodes and I got so freaked out like it was a really creepy episode I can't remember very scary yeah and uh, you know me I'm a weenie and so but if you can watch it I know that means like I can like I can handle it yeah like I can't watch the Bloody Mary episode because it scares me so badly but and it's it's easily one of the most problematic television shows on yes I have heard a lot about this the show that launched a thousand ships yes that said in the not the penultimate episode the episode before it so the the 18th episode of the final season they sort of Kind of tried to kind of make a very big ship canon without making it actually like I heard that they like it was very sideways. It was it was like so Castiel. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and put a spoiler. I'm gonna go ahead and put a yeah, spoiler. Put a spoiler. Yeah. Although I don't know how. Like I I muted everything and I got spoiled. Like I do not know how. If you are on the internet, you have not experienced this, but. Castiel, who is one of the most popular characters on the show, like they killed him off early, like in like the seventh season or something, and then the viewership dipped so low they had to write him back into the seriously. Show. Yeah, like he is, he is. It's bananas. It's he's an incredible character. I love Misha Collins as an actor, like so good. So he and Dean Winchester, who is Jensen Ackles' character over the course of the seasons, like, it has been pretty consistent that Castiel loves Dean. He likes Dean more than everyone. He is, like, very specific about who he cares about the most. And they made it explicit in the 18th episode. He's like, I love you. He says the words. And then immediately goes to super hell. And you're like, what the fuck? Okay. That's a choice. it's this, like, heartbreaking scene. Forget the, like, you guys just bury your gaze trope. You know what? It's like superpowered barrier gaze trip. Like, what the hell? Dean mourns for approximately three minutes. It's very sad. And then he's just like not mentioned essentially for the next two final episodes. So there's the end of the show with that end for the that character? That was the last shot of Castiel. Getting pulled into super hell to save the love of his life. But here's the thing. In the final episode, Dean dies. It's the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life. I I was like... You want me to watch this show? No, we're going to... Don't worry. There's... I know. I'm like so totally like... I I love... It's the journey, not the destination. Yes. Yeah, I get it. I have to get my feelings out. I'm so upset about this. Like, Dean dies. He goes to heaven, which is great. 
And then they just have a throwaway line about how Cass helped build heaven, but he's not there. And I, I think part of it is because they kind of painted themselves into a corner in terms of like they didn't want to commit to Dean Winchester being bisexual, which he like, in my opinion, very clearly is. But they never wanted to commit to it, so they can't really engage with Cass or who where Cass is because they would have to have him react to the confession. And he just never does. <laughs> and it was like them trying to have their cake and eat it yeah, too. Which... And I feel for the actors who have been very thoughtful in the way they've been discussing it from from what I've read and, and cognizant. Like Misha Collins straight up at some panel was like, yeah, yeah, I got to be super gay, and then they killed me. So that was not good. Like, and from what I understand, all the actors are very good about engage. They understand the fa- role the of fanfic in their in their yeah. in the popularity of their show and yeah. engage with it in a very tasteful and you know. Yeah, I mean, it's been 15 years. There's ups and downs. There's been a lot of growing, a lot of learning. But the way, like, both Jensen Ackles and Misha Collins kind of handled how they discussed the confession scene and how they tried to be very, very thoughtful and how there was, like, stuff lost in translation or editing or whatever it is has been great. It's just, like, I, like, keep laughing because I'm, like, 15 goddamn years. And that's what you give us. Well... And I do feel bad because it clearly some of it, like the issues were COVID related. Like there's this terrible Doc Brown wig that I don't understand. But I'm like, you guys probably gonna have hair and makeup people like on the set. Yeah. Like fine. <sighs> All right, that's my supernatural rant. <laughs> Those are some choices. There were a lot of capital C choices made. That's for sure. I I do appreciate everybody who is creating memes about the ending. I have thoroughly enjoyed all of them, so thank you for making me feel better. Tumblr and specifically. <laughs> um, okay, so now we're going to move on to something I have not watched, but you have. Yeah, very, very, very brief. Uh, the pre- the, because we've been talking about it on the show for so long, and we were so excited um, for May, which was supposed to be the triple home run of... Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, and two the Patel movies. <laughs> I'm just shaking my head right now because, like, I know. like what a disappointment. The Green Knight, please release the Green Knight so we can watch it. Like, I will watch it. I will pay full price. Yep. Please, yep. just release it. Um, they have not. A24 has not committed to a release date for the Green Knight. However, the personal history of David Copperfield came out on uh, November 17th, available for rental and digital purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, regular rental. Like, it's not even, like, full price, like, still in the theater rental. And it's so good. It's so funny. It's so smart. There are so many people of color in it. Like, so many. And so many, like, South Asian people specifically. That's really good. It was, it was really, really good. It's long. But uh, worth it. It never felt long. Okay. And it was just such a such a delight of a movie. Like, if you're looking for something to watch for, like, a movie night with your family, like, highly, highly recommend this one. It's, like, six bucks on iTunes. Like, absolutely worth worth the rental, I think. So I'm going to watch it. I will. I will. I swear. <laughs> I haven't watched a movie since... God, I don't even know. I don't, I don't even remember the last time I watched a movie was. Like, I'm, like... I don't even a movie I haven't like seen before and just put on the background like literally I don't know 
I watched Love the Lovebirds with some friends on Netflix party. I think that might be the last one, which was like, what, April? (laughs) May? Like, literally just. (sighs) Um, Okay, so now we're going to talk about, let's see. What are we going to talk about? Okay, the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special. Um, This was really fun. Um, I was really excited when I heard they were doing a new holiday special because as terrible as the old one was, we both have. We love it. We love it. Yeah. Um, It's awful. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, This one was also a little bit terrible, but also it was cute. Um, Funny. I really actually appreciated being able to watch something Star Wars with my kid um, because I just put it on while he was there because it's, you know, it's Lego. It's fine. Like it's um, he got a little bit scared at some of the lightsaber stuff. But generally speaking, it was just nice. There isn't I'm not a person where I'm like, I should be able to watch anything Star Wars with my kid because that's like that's just not a not smart. That's, a, that's like not that's not. Yes, Star Wars is kind of for kids but it's not for young young kids like it's just no, it's not, not for like little babies. yeah it's not for toddlers like and so um but it was nice this is something where I felt relatively comfortable putting it on while my kid was in the room um which is nice because I meant I, I meant I actually watched it <laughs> um so I don't know I don't know that I have a ton to say I appreciate that it was funny it was it was very funny. I identified heavily with Poe, who just wanted to party and then yeah. kept crying. I was like, "Yeah, that that feels right." Yep. Uh, I, I also, yeah. <laughs> I have a I have an anxiety that that gets tied into time travel, like very intensely. Mm-hmm. It's I don't I like the I don't know why I just have this very anxious feeling around the notion of like changing changing. Okay, so that's what I was right? yeah. That's, yeah, right? Yeah, I understand And so that. there's a lot of that happening in this movie, but it was still very, very funny. And it's still Lego, but it was, it was, a, like, there's a part of me who's like, oh, what happens if, like, Kylo Ren dies in the past? <laughs> I just, I don't want a retcon. I don't want a Lego retcon. I don't want, and also I feel like there's a specific anxiety for me generally with Star Wars because everything is so controversial on Star Wars. Like, oh my God. People fight over every, like, little thing, and so, like, it's just sometimes... But I thought this was well done. I enjoyed it. Um, I feel like the MVP award goes here to Palpatine. When he... What does he say? He goes, Old Sheevy! Old Sheevy! Oh, my (laughs) God! I busted... Like, I was laughing the whole time, like, out loud at his, like, lines and his (laughs) character. Because they just made him the buffoon. You know he is. You know he is! Like, he's like... Zip, zippity, zap. Yeah. The, like, like, so I just, I, I enjoyed, like, every second he was on screen. Yeah, it was pretty funny. It's, there's a lot. I, my, for me, the MVP is baby Luke Skywalker and his carton of milk. The milk! Oh, my God. Like oh his God. baby boy. Yes. And like the shag hair. Like and I love the like evolution of like Luke's hair. Yes. Like the yeah. like shag and then the the like uh, it was so good that my favorite shot though is when Luke baby Luke throws the milk carton at Kylo Ren and oh. freezes it like the lightsaber in the force. God, it was <laughs> it made me look so hard. It was, it was so, I don't know. I just, I really, it was, like, kind of, like, the lighthearted, like, and then, like, when, um, 
when mm-hmm. when was it Vader or the Emperor repaired Kylo Ren's mask, I was like, oh my god, is that canon? How his mask got repaired? But then, like you know, it broke again. That was <laughs> that was good though. My my only critique is that the only shot of Babu Frick we got did not have the hey hey. I didn't I even, yeah, I was like, I don't even think I know it. it. There was not enough Babu Frick. There was not enough Babu Frick. And you mentioned this beforehand, part. but in Star Wars, in Star Wars New Trilogy, um, before we started recording, I mean, but in Star Wars uh, New Trilogy, like, fashion, all the people of color were left behind. Yep. <laughs> it was like. <laughs> it's about what we expect from Star Wars. <laughs> it's, I, like, noticed it and I was like, oh, come on, man. But all the, uh, but we can also interpret all the people of color just wanted a party because it's been a hard year. Yeah, they just got to party, so like great. Because you know, it's been a bad year. So, um, also I laughed out loud. I know it was in the trailer, but I laughed out loud again at the "It's a cape" or no, "It's a wrap." Oh my yeah. god, that was good. It's just those like one-liner moments. Like I just needed that. Like I needed like a Star Wars has been so fraught. And it still is. Like, it's the discourse around it is so fraught for good reasons. Um, but it's just, it was nice to just, like, let it make fun of itself a little bit. That's why the, the Lego Star Wars stuff is so funny. Yeah. It's always so funny. It's very irreverent. And they recognize the absurdity. There's of, like... one, like, the Lego, like, Empire Strikes Back where, I think it was, Empire, no, it was Return of the Jedi where um, Luke's like, oh, Leia's my sister, isn't it? Isn't yeah. she? And Yoda's like, yes. And he, she's like, he's like, how'd you know? And... Luke's like, she's the only other woman in this, she's the only woman in these movies, so it's gotta be her, and Yoda's like, yeah, we gotta work on that, like, it's good! Yeah, it's very funny. Do recommend. I do recommend, like, it's just, it's real, like, I enjoyed just putting it on in the background and, like, watching, and it's funny, it's cute, it's, um, animation's great, of course, because it's Lego, I don't know that there's a ton else to talk about with no, it. not really. But it's uh, fun. There, I feel like there is... A lot to talk about with the next topic, which is uh, the Mandalorian season two, episodes two through four, which I think are chapters 12, 13, and 14. That sounds right. Um, And very quickly before we start, as usual, you know, we kind of just want to mention the position that fans are in when there is a person involved with the project who does and says hateful things and is just promotes hateful views towards a marginalized aspect and of course we're talking about Gina Carano and how you know kind of shitty she is to the trans community and so two things um we want to link to this GoFundMe that a group of Star Wars fans created that is um you know trans rights are human rights this is the way um and it's to benefit the trans law center and so if you're able we recommend you donate we'll link in the show notes we think it's kind of amazing what star like star wars fans can come together to like take this awful thing and turn it this like unnecessary awful thing and turn it into something great yeah um and also we want to mention this article uh, in vanity fair by joanna robinson and anthony bresnikan that is kind of a deeper look into what it's like being a uh, a trans or or non-binary fan of Star Wars and of the Mandalorian and being put in this position because of people involved in the project. 
Uh, and so we'll link to both of those in the show notes, and we highly recommend you check them out. Okay, so um, now we're going to talk about The Mandalorian. So just, it's a hard thing for for to do as, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to do. So just, um, yeah. Look at the show notes. Trans rights are human rights. That's all, like, that's all we can say. So um, episode two, this was the episode in which the Mandalorian's ship got fucked up. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I was, like, in physical pain watching, like, what was going on with his ship. Because like, it's, like, it's his house! It's his home! It gets put through the ringer in this episode. Where this yep. is kind of, not a, I don't want to say it's a filler episode, because that's not fair or necessarily accurate. But in terms of contributing to the overall story the overarching story of Mando trying to get Baby Yoda back to the, or to the Jedi, I guess not back to the Jedi. It didn't have a lot of forward movement, but we did learn some interesting things about, it's Dindajaran, right, is his name? Yeah. I've got that right, right. So we did learn some interesting things about him in terms of his history with the New Republic. Mm-hmm. Which we didn't realize he had one. Nope. Right? This is new information, right? Well, they... This is, I think, in reference to the the first season, Prison Break episode. Was it? Okay, that's why I wasn't sure. I was like, is yeah, it yeah, reference yeah. to what we've seen on screen or before? Yes. Okay. I, I assumed it was to the yeah, Prison okay. Break episode. Um, also, shout out to Appa from Kim's Convenience, which I was very excited to see. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I assumed it was a reference to that episode. Um, and so I, I do love the, like, kind of hesitancy in Mando's voice when he's like, and also with you. Yeah, yeah. I love that they made that canon too, because that's what we all want to say. And also with you. Yeah, and also with you. <laughs> um that was it was a fun it was a it was a you know, it was um a terrifying episode. Yeah. Especially so for spiders. those of us who are afraid of spiders. Oh my god. Yeah. It's like there is um the spiders, the, like, a different version of those spiders are in Rebels. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. in animation, they're, like, kind of scary. Mostly it's the sound, that, like, skittering sound that's very scary. But these were, like, I was, like, like yelping yeah. watching this episode and mm-hmm. seeing those spiders. Like, when it was, like, those, like, hundreds of spiders coming after him, I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, I need to take a shower. Yeah. Yeah. I just, that was not... It was not a fun, like, of these, of this new, uh, in this new season, that was probably, like, by far my least favorite episode it was so far. Very not, and not because it was bad, but because that, those scenes were just not fun to watch. Yeah, it was pretty gross and scary. Yeah. Um, I know everybody likes Frog Lady a lot. I thought she was fine. She's fine. Yeah. Like. I don't really have a lot to contribute to. Right? I thought she is a character. I know people are super into her. In this particular episode, I thought she was like, okay. Yep. Frog lady. Frog it's lady. like, this, it's, she, these, the, she's the, 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 the mechanism by which he has to, like, she's the kind of foil in the plot, not, yeah. they didn't really. I, was, like, fine. I thought the costuming was great. Yeah. I thought the, like, the piece, whatever, I don't know how they did it, but the piece of the, the, the face and the head of the, the frog lady was, like, very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, narratively, I was like, all right. Yeah, I would not be surprised if this episode is nominated for some sort of makeup Emmy because, like, yeah. it was really, well, I don't know, I, I prosthetics, I don't know how that was done, but it was very, sorry, 
I'm flailing and hit my mic. so cool. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't know how that was done, um, but it was cool. It was, um, but the, just generally speaking, like, it was a good, it was a solid episode. Not a lot to say there. Yeah, the the standoff at the end is probably the most interesting thing, that's mm-hmm. like in terms of the plot that happens in the episode between the New Republic fighters, one of whom is also Dave Filoni. Yeah, okay, that was Dave Filoni, right? Because yeah. you, you only see him close up for a couple of seconds. Um, <laughs> it's like uh, Dave Filoni and and um, Appa, who I'm so sorry to say that I'm forgetting. I do not Paul know his. Guh. We'll go with Paul Guh. <laughs> No, that's, that's like Paul. <laughs> Appa, Kim's convenience. What is your. You're on Daisy Geek Girls. We don't even pause the recording while we're Googling. I know. So sorry. Yeah. High quality production here. Uh, Paul. Paul. Sun Hyung Lee. Okay. Well, it was good. To, it was good. It was. I was nice to see an Asian, and always nice to see an Asian X-wing pilot. Yeah. Like always, always nice. So, um, and he had like in not a minor necessarily role because we see him again later. But um, it was also really interesting that they just left him there. Yeah, that was what I really liked about it because I think there is what what I think Dave Filoni is so good at with Star Wars is recognizing you know outside of kind of the narrative the movies give us is that everything's a lot more complicated than we think it is. Mm -hmm. Like the galaxy is much bigger. People's interests are much more kind of not necessarily just the greater good. Like it's, it is like I'm on, I am, I have a job to do. I have limited resources. Helping you is not on my agenda. You will figure it out. You're resourceful. He's so good at pulling in these like, moments and John Favreau clearly also has like a deep understanding um but like pulling in these moments that just add to the larger yeah. world building and that was such a good one of like hmm, okay yeah we won't kill you but but peace. you're yeah like we're not gonna help you either um yeah so that was a good episode and then 13 episode three of this season was huge if you are a fan of Clone Wars or Rebels or both and we it it is worth talking about um in a minute just the time I am a big proponent of um you shouldn't have to engage with the expanded universe Star Wars universe to understand the movies because the movies are kind of like popular crowd in some ways popular crowd pleasing vehicles and the tv shows and stuff have always been for like kind of the like more diehard fans um but mandalorian kind of bridges that gap because it's live action so what now we have a huge callback and i think you can engage with this episode without knowing who bo-katan is and you can understand her role understand you know you understand what you need to for the purposes of the episode I don't have a problem. So I, I, but that being said, what is going to happen going forward? Because we are starting to tie in more to Clone Wars and Rebels. It's clear. It is, but I think it's almost, they were kind of like, that's where all the Mandalorian stuff has happened, right? Mm -hmm. By Mm -hmm. just by nature of creating a show called the Mandalorian that is set post original trilogy, like they can't not integrate it. Mm -hmm. Like as it was, there's so many questions about why the Mandalorian kind of culture we were seeing in this show was so was different. So different 
than what we saw in not that long ago, like previous in terms of like Star Wars actual chronology. Yeah. Like uh, narratives about Mandalore in the canon. Like mm-hmm. it was it was so confusing. So like if you're a casual watcher of the show and you're not involved with like the rebels or clone wars like that's fine but then you have this understanding that this is what mandalore is yeah what what din Djarin is representing is mandalore yeah but if you watch those shows you like you know there's something deeper going on because this is not the mandalore you recognize short of like maybe loosely tied to that cultist version of what was happening on one of the moons right yeah. and so it was only a matter of time that they had to pull it in yeah yeah, I agree. Um, and the Mandalorian stuff, I think, is going to be... The Mandalore stuff is l- going to be, I think, a little less controversial than bringing in Ahsoka Tano. Um, that's... Because clearly, I mean, it, there's no ambiguity anymore. Bo-Katan says her name. Whether she'll be on screen anytime soon is a question, or they're going to leave the re- you know big reveal of Ahsoka towards later in the season um, is unclear. Um, I think it'll probably be sooner rather than later that we see her, but, um, but. I don't know. I think that. Is she going to be, or is she going to be the, like, the, the, the MacGuffin? I, I, you know, I think, I, that I think it would just piss people off yeah. so much. If they, like, they mention Ahsoka Tano and then to not give us Ahsoka Tano, I think mm-hmm. people would be, she's one of the most popular characters in Star Wars and has never been in a live action moment. Um, I think that would be very upsetting to people, but my guess is that we're not going to see her maybe even until the season finale. Like, I I don't know, because with what's happened so far, like, so with this Mandalore episode, it was really, what was really interesting to me was we finally got to see the two wide disparate notions of what Mandalorians are confront one another. Like, I love that moment where Din was like, Mandalorian, true Mandalorians don't take their helmets off. And she's like, and, oh, you're one yeah, of those. Yeah, exactly. Bo- Bo-Katan has that moment of like, ha, mm. No, like, I was born on Mandalore. Like, like I grew up on Mandalore. Like, she doesn't I, know this, but my, or he doesn't know this, but my sister was the leader of Mandalore. And at some point, Bo-Katan was like the. Yeah leader of Mandalore, like, I know. Like, this is... I think she knows what Mandalore... Okay, can we talk about... Okay, so there's Katie Sackhoff. I mean, she did the voice of Bo-Katan, but but she looked so much... Like, like the styling, like, oh my god, she looked exactly... Like, like you took... She took off that helmet. I mean, you knew who it was because of the color of the armor, but she took off that helmet, and it was just like, oh... We know exactly who that is. Apparently she hasn't, she's kept the same hairstyle for, you know, (laughs) decades. But, hey, it works under a helmet, so I get it. It was just really, I thought she was so, so, so good in the role. I thought she was, like, perfectly styled, perfectly, like, representative of a cartoon to live action Mm -hmm. counterpart. Like, I thought it was really, really well done. Um, And I love the kind of, interaction that they have and this like understanding that literally shows on her face when din kind of espouses the things he says and Mm -hmm. i'm very interested to see where this continues to go in terms of defining what mandalorian even is like Mm -hmm. din right now is quote the mandalorian right he's mando he is he is representative of this 
this kind of Mandalorian culture, and now we're going to get these conversations of, of like he's basically a member of the fundamentalist fringe group. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just getting to see. I think the the cultural conversations to me is very interesting because it feels very like it feels very from the perspective of like a first gen person like like diaspora versus yeah it does city and like what's true and what's it and it's like in my opinion like everything is valid and real but it's I think it's going to inspire a lot of that conversation Mm -hmm. and I think that's just really interesting in a in a fictional world. Like, if that's the way you choose to practice your culture, that's right. absolutely fine, but that doesn't make people who are from there who don't choose to practice it that way or who have evolved exactly. beyond practicing it that way wrong or less than... Like, less valid. Or yeah, less exactly. It's, it's just, I think, I'm hoping it's going to inspire a lot of, like, interesting perspectives on, like, uh, something that I think is very near and dear to our hearts and... and something we think of a lot about which is like cultural validity and authenticity mm-hmm. and how that applies to you when you're not when you're hyphenated and mm-hmm. so I just I love when I see that stuff come up in things I love because I think it's so fascinating yeah that's an interesting really interesting way to engage with uh this culture yeah oh, um okay. especially given the discussion around Mandalorian culture for so long before this where was I feel like the discussion was all about, like, purity and, like, no, 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 no. You know, like, and it's just, like, and the people who, I don't want to make generalizations because I think Mandalore is cool, but the people who are obsessed with Boba Fett are exactly the people. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a little bit, so it's interesting to see these nuances being introduced now. Yes, because it is, it's, it was, it's, we saw the, like, kind of um, splintering in Clone Wars, and mm-hmm. we saw what we saw what Mandalore became in in Rebels, um, with these like factions and who was committed to helping the Empire and who was in it for Mandalore's survival and and all of those things. And now I'm interested to see now how these two factions have become so distant, so, and so distant, separate, and now we'll have to like clearly figure out a way to work together if Din Djarin is just seeking out more. I just yeah. think it's so fascinating. It is. It, inter- cool. it introduces a lot of cultural, both complication and context, and mm-hmm. I'm excited to see where it goes from here because I don't think this is the last time we've seen Bo-Katan. I cannot believe that Mm-mm. this is the last time. Though. I, like, there, I think they'll bring her back yeah. this season. Yeah. Um, and then... Jumping to the next episode, which was 14, um, or episode four of the season, is uh, he goes back to get his ship fixed, basically. Yeah, after after that poor, like, Mon Calamari did the best job he could. In his, like, smashing sweater. Beautiful knitwear. Got that ship flying again. This was the best you could do. I was like, yeah, that's the best he could do. Please. Come on. I, I did love, I have to say, we have not mentioned Baby Yoda yet. Oh, my but I think God. In particular, Baby Yoda in this episode. Oh, was my just, God. The scene of him, of Din trying to get him to, like, put the blue. The do you see the blue where you pulled the blue oh wire? God, it made me laugh so I hard. was laughing like, so well. Because I'm like, I'm like trying to imagine introducing 
explaining to my child because there's a lot about you know toddler baby yoda anybody who has a toddler sees their toddler and baby yoda and so i'm like thinking about like trying to explain to my two-year-old like can you put but don't touch them don't touch them together don't oh like oh my god it It was was good it was so cute i think the most controversial part of this episode Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the baby yoda kind of bully yeah mm-hmm. he gets he what he not, wants didn't even say hi to that child no he was just like give me your food macaron and then when the kid said no which is the kid's right to not share he just took it. it he just fucking took it he took it i don't to be clear we, this is a joke yes i don't really care yeah it was cute <laughs> and it made me want some macarons I thought it was really funny. Yeah, it was really funny. I just generally, the scenes that they've, they they clearly know that Baby Yoda's the star of this show, and they've been putting a lot more really cute scenes. Really, I think you, you mentioned in our uh, discussion on the first episode, there's clearly new noises. There's new noises. There's new movement. Yeah, new there's movement. Like, um, he's really attached to Din, which is super cute. Like, very cute. I know. Like dad, I know it's really cute. Um, and so he's just a delight on the screen. I really, it's so sweet. But it is so funny to me every time Din something Din does something that's like pretty cavalier. <laughs> he's like, sure, I'll leave. I'll leave this toddler in a class full of like eleven year olds. Yep, yeah. It'll I'm be just fine. like okay. <laughs> Um, it's, and it's funny because, like, half the time I'm like, oh my god, leave him behind, leave him behind, leave him behind because he's gonna be in danger, and then half the time he's like, no, he's in danger if you're out there, like, it's like... The only time he's safest is when he's right next to you, even that, like, even though that's also when he's, like, most in danger. I know, it is, it's hard. Uh, but, okay, so the big, this was a big episode. This is a huge episode in terms of... Uh, I thought it was really... I thought it was a really good episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I did. I forgot to mention very quickly in the last episode, Titus Welliver. I freaking Oh, love yes. Him. I love I'm Titus Welliver. So happy to see him yeah. show up. Uh, and he makes a really good Imperial officer. He's a great Imperial shoulder, which is so funny. It's like just like Deadwood reunion left and right on this season of Mandalorian. I'm into it. Um, but so this episode for, for episode four, episode four, chapter 14, there's a lot. There's a lot we learn. Mm-hmm. We learn right? so much. Which, first of all, the entire time I'm yelling at them is if there's an Imperial base you think is abandoned and it's not abandoned, you need to find out what they're doing. Right. I was they like, how? Like, freaking fu- guns blazing. Find out what they're doing. Don't just blow it up. Oh, my God. They're just so. They're such so a funny. bumbling. They're so bumbling. It's so funny. Yeah. And, like. Horatio Sands, who plays um, the kind of Weasley, like, uh, accountant that, like, the corrupt accountant that Din uh, took in the first episode, yeah. In the first episode, uh, was so good in this as the kind of very, very reluctant hero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hero in major mm-hmm. quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, but having them all go to this Imperial base, and then we have this just, like, epiphany or like a re- revelation in the scene where see what's his face the scientist from the first season yeah i don't remember his name but he's in the name. first he's in the f- last episode of the first season and is working with werner herzog mm-hmm. um seeing them talk about the child's blood and what yeah. they were able to do with what they had been able to extract so what's like, your what's your interpret like so is your inter- your inter- my interpretation of it is that um 
they're trying to create Force-sensitive beings through blood infusions or grow Force-sensitive beings or clone Force-sensitive beings. Yeah, like, I don't know. It was so weird because I was like, does this have anything to do with, like, the the Emperor? Yeah, like, are they trying to grow, grow clone bodies for the Emperor? Because the timing would make sense and right? not being able to do it would explain why he was so, or not being able to do it well, would explain why he was so disgusting. Yeah, like so. That's that was the thing I immediately thought of. Obviously, yeah, that's like, what okay. that was Ryan's interpretation as well. Like that something to do with the emperor and cloning. Because I don't know what else that those that the the concept of cloning and the need for quote M count. Which yeah, I'm M count. Like, oh, um, and to be fair, I don't think it ever they ever explicitly say cloning, but the bodies just made me think it's, cloning. Yeah, it was very... And, like, it was reminiscent of the weird Snoke bodies on mm-hmm. um, the planet Exegol. Yes, very, very much so. Um, yeah, and if Snoke was... was a, like, that also explains why Snoke was so disgusting if, like, he was also, like, a failed clone body, mm-hmm. functionally. It's just... It, it, it opens up a lot more questions than it answers, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, in a good way, I think, not in a frustrating way. way. Like, it... it, it ties it in a way that this show has not yet it ties it into the larger movie trilogy narrative Mm -hmm. if if it's what we think it is it's quite possible it's not but which like i know again that's gonna be fairly controversial for some i think that is that bothers me tying stuff from the tv shows into the movies because every you're not i mean and this is a generalization but it's less likely you're going to watch a tv show and not have seen the movies than see the movies and not see the TV You know what I mean? So that doesn't bother me as much, but like tying the TV shows together and they're like, they're not short. Like I guess Rebels is four seasons, but Clone Wars is like six, seven seasons. It's long. It's a lot. There are a lot of episodes to have to watch to Mm -hmm. have a full understanding. And so um, far, and I don't necessarily think you need, like, so the way they handled Bo-Katan was really good. It gave you like two lines about who she was and that was it. And that she's looking for the dark saber. Yes, yeah, that was which really good. Which we know good. Moff Gideon has. Which we know Moff Gideon has, yeah. Um, and that they they did a really nice, quick explanation of what it was and why she wanted it, and it tied back to that scene in the at the end, at the end of the first season where you see it, and if you haven't seen those episodes of Rebels and you don't know what it is. So now it's explained. They did a very nice job kind of just being mm-hmm. like, okay, here's, if you don't know what's going on, here's what you need to know. And now Moff Gideon is also the one who is being contacted and now Din knows that he's still alive. Yeah. Um, and running these experiments. And running these experiments. Uh, and we know Din is in trouble now because there's a tracker on his ship. Mm-hmm. We also see a very, in very good repair Imperial, yeah, I guess, it was, was it a Star Destroyer or it was a Star Destroyer, I right? So. I think it was a Destroyer. Yeah. That's what I assumed it was. Um, and a very classic Star Wars shot. A very classic Star Wars shot and the bridge was, like, it's, this does not look like a group on the fringes or that's no. not in well-funded or that is nope. running or hiding. Like, this is not, like, these are not the dirty, like, dirty uniforms that the, like, stormtroopers in the, like, at the beginning yep. of The Mandalorian had, where you, like, it's clear that they're, like, not in the best repair. It's not in the, their armor's not in the best shape. Like, this is the Empire. Like, there's... It's still happening. Yeah. This is not, yeah. And so, um... 
And I think one of my big questions for the season was what's going on with the New Republic and why aren't we seeing more of it? And I feel like yeah. these episodes answered those questions because we are on the in the outer rim, on the fringes, and the New Republic doesn't have the capacity to... Yeah. I liked having him, uh, having Appa come and kind of uh, make that clear. Like, we need help from the locals. And that was the other big jaw yes. drop of of the episode is that we find out that Cara Dune is, or was from Alderaan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so there's clearly something, something there that's important. Yeah. And I think um, the fact that even if the new Republic isn't concerned what's going on, the people who are the like I, I don't I think the New Republic has its own problems, but the people yes. who are out here patrolling the outer rim know there's something really bad going on, and we know we know that's probably the Empire turning into the First Order. Like we know, or the First Order, you know, whatever is going on. It's just it's interesting to see this kind of because uh, this would if this is like what five we we're saying like five years after Return of the Jedi something like that I don't think they've right? made it specifically clear and I don't think they like, I think that's intentional yeah because I think it's almost or like on the cusp of being concurrent with um, Bloodlines mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. Claudia Gray mm -hmm. and so trying to because this is where Star Wars gets a little like unwieldy where you're trying to contextualize the New Republic politics you saw happening in Bloodlines with the politics of what's happening in The Mandalorian on these planets that are so far from what is going on in the center. My guess is it's a little before Bloodline, because in Bloodline, Ben was old enough to already have been sent away to Luke, right? Am I, I remembering I, that right? So long since I read it. I think I so. Like, I think because she talks about missing Ben and Ben being with Luke. I so maybe think. it's like just So I think it's like just before. before. Because I imagine that happened when he was probably around 10 years old. Yeah. So it's probably My guess. Just before, yeah. But it's probably within, they're within like a few years of each yes. other, right? Like I think we can come to that, agree that it, it's within the same sort of like building. Mm -hmm. And it's just very interesting like yeah. how all these various set pieces are happening yeah. to to get to the point of The Force Awakens. Yeah. And basically. I think um, Dave Filoni is just a very good storyteller and he has all these chess pieces yeah. in his head. Like he, Which is how? I don't know. Like, like I just, I don't understand how he does it, but he Although makes... He... Is he, was he writing on these? Now I'm trying, he's producing, right, still? Yeah, but I, I don't know if he's in, like... My guess is he has an iron grip on everything television. I agree. That's my like. Even if he's not like in the writers' room, he he control he controls the Star Wars narrative. Generally speaking, I think even the movies. Like I don't think he didn't write the movies, but I would be shocked if he wasn't saying like being like, no, that's not. Yes, that is. No, that's not. You know what I mean? I I don't know about movies only because they're so. Like, I think there's the Lucasfilm story group. Yeah. Um, who is, what are you doing? I was trying to look up this at the same time, and my computer is like, why are you trying to run Skype, record your call, and open IMDb at the same yeah, time? Yeah. You wants... idiot. Um, <laughs> well, even if it's, okay, so, like, maybe not, but I do think definitely on the TV. He, yes. th I mean, that's why... Like, we all know Dave Filoni's favorite character is Ahsoka Tano, which is why 
she keeps reappearing. Like, that's because he's doing all, you know. So, I mean, and, like, she hasn't reappeared yet, so we don't really need to get into the ins and outs of what it means that she's coming back. Um, I think selfishly, Preeti and I both think that more Ahsoka is always better. Mm -hmm. Uh, But is it going to be in an accessible way? And that I don't know, and that we'll see. I, yeah, I, I feel like John Favreau and Dave Filoni probably have a really good, good, uh, amicable sort of working relationship. Is is how I see it because I think John Favreau also has clearly like had a very strong handle on what this is all meant to represent, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and is doing a good job thus far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of playing into not just for newcomers but for people who have stayed on the television journey through Clone Wars and Rebels yeah. and Resistance. Mm-hmm. Our sweet, our sweet little. Our sweet little show resistance. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I feel like that's everything. Mm-hmm. There's just so there's so much that happened in these episodes, and like even though they're small pieces, they have so much like so many potential implications. Yeah. That yeah. it's just like maybe maybe we forgot something, but yeah, like we I probably did. But. <laughs> uh, all right. Well. Outside of Star Wars, what are you into? Um, okay, well, the only TV show I'm really watching right now, besides The Mandalorian, is Star Trek Discovery. Um, and I talked about it, you know, that's a shocker to no one, everyone. But this season is some of the best Star Trek ever. Like, I'm just, I'm going out there and saying it. It's not best Star Trek Discovery. It's the best Star Trek. It is so incredibly good. Um... So I'm not going to, like, do it like, hard sell. You all know I love it. But this season is phenomenal. Um, and also, I didn't put this on the sheet, but um, I'm we both got our PS5s. Yeah. Uh, both very much enjoying them. Um, I'm playing Bug Snacks right now, which is super cute and weird and disturbing. Um, it's But it's really, really cute. And you guys, you all know. Sorry, I'm trying to, like, that's a verbal thing that I do. And I'm trying to replace it with y'all but you all know that how much i love um um easy mode gaming and it's really easy and it's just it's more about strategy it's not there's no fighting you can't die like even when you're like lit on fire you just have to like run and find a creek it's fine like there's no health it's so that's really nice i love that yeah it's really nice it's really cute it's really really weird but really cute uh yeah i am playing miles morales yay freaking awesome i'm taking it super slow because i know it's a short game and i don't want it to end very fast um it's so i'm only like six percent into it the graphics are banana pants like it's so so beautiful um the the new pete face is like a little weird just just the jarring like i'm so used to the old pete face I, i still don't really understand why they changed it um uh it's but a weird thing. It seems like a weird thing to spend your, like, resources I on. I just don't get it. Like, I liked the old Pete face was fine to me, and I felt like he he feels the right age for what the character is. Now he seems very young, even though he's still that mid-20s Pete. He looks, when he's next to Miles, they look like they're the same age, which is a little strange. That's... But it's fine. He's You know, it's it's, like, such a minor thing. Yeah. Um, Yuri Lowenthal is still doing the voice, and he's still outstanding with his voice work. Uh, yeah, so I'm only like 6% in, but I'm really enjoying it. And we kind of talked about this offline a little bit, but the new controller, the PS5 controller yeah. is so cool. It's really cool. It's like, 
what I like I was nervous about it because I thought it was going to be really big and I don't like big controllers. It looks a lot like the Xbox controller and so I was really nervous but it's not. No, it's so much smaller than the Xbox controller and it's like truly I think the most innovative part of the new PS5 to me is what they did with this controller. It almost feels very like it's not quite as innovative as Nintendo teams it seems to be because like Nintendo is just like throw it in the trash, let's start over. Yeah. Like, and Nintendo just does not care about like power or like anything like that they're like let's make the most innovative stuff we can right let's do something totally new Mm -hmm. um but it is like it feels very innovative yeah very like i played that game that comes with the ps5 to show you the power of the controller um astro's like playroom playroom and it is just like really outstanding um so that's been a lot of the time uh and then i'm rereading I'm rereading books because everything's garbage. And so I need something safe. And I don't know why I thought this would like make me feel better. But I'm rereading the Xenogenesis trilogy from Octavio Butler, um, the first book of which is Dawn and is just so good. It's just, she's just so good. And just even in like these early chapters has so much to say about us and society and humanity and and what we where where our fallibilities are that is so just like thoughtful and frustrating when you're like just read a book to everybody (laughs) just read a book and learn something so that we don't have to go through this nonsense um and then the last thing which i'm very excited about is the wheel of time series yes because our friend Jen Northington and I have started a podcast called, which I kind of mentioned the last time, um, but we now are like out. We have episode two coming out next week for Tarvel and our bust. We're going to be talking about chapters 11 through 20 of the eye of the world. And it's just been really fun kind of diving back into this world and uh, living in this like, fantasy with magic and and political intrigue and and all that stuff so yeah tarvel and urbust like d- check it out if you're thinking about reading the wheel of time books Swapna. yeah i know i need to <laughs> i need to oh my god I, I just love that this show is us basically be like watch this thing so we can talk about yeah, it. i know and i'm like oh <laughs> good but god god i i gotta just like start i've got to watch something besides star trek and star wars eventually eventually but not before the like like that's why i'm like the end of the year and then like star trek will be done for a while and then and then mandalorian will be done for a while so i'm like i can do some other things like find other other shows and other books and there's so much there's so much stuff there is (laughs) um so we oh so oh you had one more thing on there Oh, no, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> we are part of the Hard Knock Life Podcast Network. You can find all the podcast networks, uh, podcasts in the Hard Knock Life. Uh, wow, I can't talk. You can, or I can't read, apparently. You can <laughs> find all the podcasts in the Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com. Today, we're shouting out the newest podcast to join our crew, Show Pow Show, which is about Filipino and American history and culture with uh, with host Kuya P and his co-hosts, The Amazing Eights. Catafork and Viva Valentina. And of course, we have to thank our Patreon supporters. So thank you to Meredith, Roni, Ronnie, sorry, uh, and Maya at the $12 level, and Patrick, Jordan, Ani, 
Brandy, Shelly, Claire, Brian, Robert, Sylvia, Chris, and the Knott family, and Priya at the $5 level. We really appreciate you. And like we said at the top of the show, if you want to support us on Patreon, um, $2 and above, you're going to get a holiday card. And that is patreon.com slash Girls. And you can find us on Twitter at Girls. I'm at S. Krishna. And I am at Run With Skizzers. And until next time, we'll see you, we'll see you in hell!